0: And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day, as promised, part two of our interview here um, with Mike Shy, who joins us from California. Mike, thanks uh, for uh, getting up early with me. I'm back on the East Coast. I, as you know, I was with Hay- at Hayden Lake last week, which you know everything about. And now I'm back here in Ponte Vedra. Hasn't stopped raining, but I'm excited for part two, my man.
1: Well, it's, I appreciate you having me back, that's for sure. And, and I, you know, I'm excited, too, because I a lot of times everybody wants to talk about how did all the things happen with Bryson. And, yeah, you know, it really never gets into the golf swing as much as I would, you know, like it uh, to be. And so I'm excited about today, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I am, too. You know, taking a look at golf swings, breaking it down with the coach, um, I think is is always very interesting, not only for myself, but for the viewers as well. The coach speak is something that I think, you know, viewers out there don't get to see a lot, you know, they'll see breakdowns, but actually just kind of hamming an egg it and talking about the evolution of one swing, I think is always uh, really interesting. And, you know, you go back to, to part one, we talked about what it's like on the inner circle coaching Bryson Deshambo, as you had have for many, many years. Um, you were his coach back uh, when he was very young to winning national championships at SMU, to um, the U.S. Amateur, to wins on the PGA Tour. Uh, no one's been in that inner circle longer than than you have. And you've also seen this really kind of evolution and change of Bryson's swing. I've been watching it. We've got some swings that we're going to go through here. Sure. And I think our viewers um, will see it as well. But just kind of putting a bow on part one, in coaching Bryson and coaching a tour player just reminds me Mike of why I never wanted to go out there and be a coach to PGA tour players because you guys work hard and it's, it's, it can be difficult, right?
1: Yeah, No doubt. It's a shock to the system. Um, That's for sure. I was totally unprepared. I know, excuse me. I think Bryson was, we all were, I mean, it was all new and especially what Bryson did um it wasn't just your normal you know guy coming from the web or or the corn fairy or whatever you know and working his way up and you know being kind of uh you know not seen or whatever out there to you know a superstar status like that yeah and, and you know from you know making tons of money to what requirements are you know not only that i mean you know when a guy just comes on tour you don't have quite the requirements like bryson had just tons and tons of things that he had to do interviews that he had to do mm-hmm. uh, because he got eight uh, uh, exemptions. I believe it was the first year had to be in pro-ams on Monday and mm-hmm. Wednesday. Now that's not required of a lot of guys and that he had to do that. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it was, and I was in shot. you know, I'm like deer in headlights. So, um, you know, I think we handled it the best we possibly could. And, and uh, obviously he's uh, been somewhat successful. So.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of layers to you guys. I, I respect what you guys do. Um- uh, I just didn't really feel like I was completely wired for it. Um, had other interests, other skill sets that I wanted to pursue. But I tell people all the time, like, look, I know most all these coaches out there. These guys work their tails off, man. I mean, they are up in the morning. They are there late text, phone calls. It really never ends. The ups and downs. Um, tour players are, are, you know, really pulled a lot of different ways. They're admittedly, most of them can be, damn near psychotic i mean it's sure. just it's uh sure. it's a tough one it, it, it really is but i have a lot of respect for it And i think it's interesting to talk about it, as we did in part one if you hadn't listened to that yet you need to go to take a look at part one last tuesday uh, with mike shy talking about the inner circle of working with bryson Day chambeau now this episode part two is going to be more technique based the evolution of Bryson's swing again no one has been in the inner circle longer than you have, and has seen this transpire. And as we start putting these swings up, you will see the differences um, in Bryson's swing. And I want to start, Mike, with 2017. And I know you go back even before that. Sure. But as we look at Bryson's swing here uh, in 2017, what were some of the key principles that you guys had worked on, say, college, USM, into the early pro days? um, that were kind of the staples of Bryson swing.
1: Well, I, and, and again, going back, let's say to 2012 or 11, when, uh, I, I've always been a, taught the golfing machine. I'm not an authorized instructor with a golf machine, but mm-hmm. I literally have been teaching, you know, out of the golf machine for 40 years. Um, and so when I gave him the golfing machine, the book, I, I knew for him it was really important to start defining the motion. You know, not just you know haphazard. Look at video. Try to have our own kind of lingo. We needed a specific lingo, and so the the golf machine was really key to that. So giving him that, letting him read that. Um, you know, he's he's a voracious you know reader um, and studier. You know, especially things that he's passionate about physics being one now, the you know, then the golf swing, Mm -hmm. you know, the golfing machine, just it resonated with him extremely well. So that being said, it's like, okay, well, the golf machine is quite simple in my mind, that we pick, let's say 24 components, there's 144 variations to those components, you know, and in the back of the book, it actually gives you two models, a swinging version and a hitting version. And Bryson noticed, uh, when he was going through and, you know, he would actually, uh, there was a blank slate and he started writing everything down. Um, and one of the big things that he saw, um, well, and, and let me go back just from his, let's say his golf clubs and lie angle. When, when we, let's say at age 14, 15, his lie angles on his clubs were like five degrees flat. Now think about that for a second. Wow. So let's say a seven iron was 50, let's say 58 degrees, Right. Maybe even less than that at the time, and then he went to a seven iron. Let's say, let's say today it's sixty-seven, right? That's ten degrees difference, quite a bit. And it's been as much as sixty or as uh, much as seventy-two. So, um, but what what Bryson did when he when he looked again, Bryson doesn't necessarily want to complicate things. He wants to simplify things, and so um, he saw something that said zero shift. And so when we, you know, he looked at my swing, I always liked my golf swing. And he goes, well, you're a triple shifter, you know? And I said, well, obviously you don't want to be that. So, <laughs> but uh, again, he said, you know, I, I really, we've always thought of impact and address should mirror one another. I've always kind of thought, why does there have to be? And I understand why there is a deviation from address, you know, to um, impact, you know, seeing the, the hands higher versus lower, um, you know, how the secondary um, lever system works. Um, but I always felt like, man, common sense would be, how about we just return it where we started? And, and so I would always um, talk about that with, with Bryson. And then when he saw zero shift and that Homer Kelly actually wrote it into the model uh, that he would prefer, um, it was like Bryson just lights went off. And so hands went immediately higher um, we talked about our, we, you know, we had, there's different terms for that, you know, zero shift. It's not one plane, by the way. Um, although in the end it, it, it was that, um, but when he saw that term zero shift that he didn't have to deviate, uh, multiple planes, let's say, um, it was like, man, this would be so much easier. And, and he started kind of thinking about that. Obviously the one link clubs came into an in existence right about that time as well we realized that uh doing what we were trying to do with a variable set of clubs was going to be very difficult so the one length again was like okay this is a must for what i'm trying to do and uh again super easy question to ask very difficult question to answer i mean i grew up when you know i saw tommy armor you know the company be obliterated when they tried to do one length golf clubs right Mm -hmm. And so uh, anyway, that, and that was, a you know, another journey that we, you know, you can find lots of information about that. Um, however, uh, from the golf swing perspective, you know, Bryson loved practice, I mean, hitting thousands of balls without changing a golf club, you know? And so uh, I will say a funny conversation happened. This was right before we went to uh, the one like golf clubs. And he goes, do you, th- do you think my posture and swing changes from club to club? you know, and I went, you know, overall, I would say we would hope it wouldn't, but it, you know, probably does. I probably fought him on the other side. If there's not a lot of changes, you know, your hands are going to maybe be a little different and so on. So he was pissed. He literally went, I'm going to go video every one of my golf swings. I'm going to show you I have 13 different golf swings. <laughs> right. And so he did, went and videoed every one of them, you know, came back and he made me look at every one of them. We went to all the nuances of the difference between the wedge and the nine iron, the wet, you know, nine iron and the and the five iron and the driver and so on. He said, this is too hard, right? And so uh, once the one-lane club came into existence, it made his life so easy to literally hit a thousand balls in one session and really feel like I don't need to go hit a nine iron or a five iron. It's all the same. And and so it made his quest so much easier in understanding uh, what he needed to do, how he could contact, you know, uh, the ball how he could evaluate his golf swing and then how his baseline would translate from club to club so easily.
0: So a lot to unpack there. I am actually a, a big golfing machine guy too. And and it spent was kind of in a fortunate situation to work with share an office with Chuck Evans for many, many years spent time with Lynn Blake and Homer Kelly, a Seattle guy. And yeah. it was a fascinating um, book to get into. And, you you talk about this no shift and you look at Bryson and four of yours, like his shaft very upright and his lead wrist, you know, is, is very, almost a little unhinged, perhaps call it this way. It doesn't have a lot of angle this way.
1: Right. But that that dissipated quite a bit um, when he went to the bigger grip as well. So, you know, again, trying to gain face control was really mm -hmm. important uh, a, and he was having some wrist issues because he had a really hardcore throw. Um, and, and so he, when we threw the jumbo max grips on all of a sudden, and then again, he wanted to hold it more in his lifeline. You can't do that when you have a small grip. And so all, you know, I put the medium on, of course, we immediately went to XL of the jumbo max and that just made it so easy for him to, uh, you know, get rid of that super ulnar, you know, position where yeah. it, would, it would look more level, more level, uh, yeah. And so, and it wouldn't, you know, he, he, it wouldn't hurt him. That's for sure. I mean, it immediately goes. I don't hurt anymore. I feel like I can c- control uh, the face extremely well, and and you know, he never looked back. Yeah. So there's for there's
0: level, right? Like, I'm, right. like almost like I'm like I'm gonna shoot a gun. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, horizontal and then down. Yeah. Right, and then up. So. Bryson is more here. And then when you do that, now the right form can soften yep. and that form gets more on the same plane as the shaft. Right. And that's where you start taking out that, you know, if I start, if I start down now it's got to raise, you start changing that. And that's where Bryson is very different. Carl Pedersen was like that, uh, mm-hmm. a player. And then Mo Norman, of course, up in Canada had that he would really be up here and get that right form underneath. Right.
1: i mean idolized mo you know you watched hours of mo and and uh we went down that road a bit and and it just it wasn't working um you know he was having suffering some back problems and so on um and so mo obviously was much more in his lateral movements no rotations Mm -hmm. we went completely the opposite and became um all about how his body rotated and Which leads me to, uh, you know, I'm a big body track. I love, you know, uh, body track and shifting and how the center of mass moves and all that. But Bryson, like, totally disproved what everybody was saying, which is you had to have a right-to-left shift. His dot, you know, his center of mass literally didn't move. And yet he hit it very, very well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that threw everybody off. We can't do that. I mean, Quan looked at it and goes, no, you can't do that. I mean, I, I, you know, quan being the, 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 king of maybe, uh, of understanding biomechanics, I guess, right know, I mean, there's a number of guys out, but you know, he was definitely about body movement and, and so on. In fact, he told Bryson, uh, he said, you need to be more like Grant Waite, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that was at a time, I think it was his sophomore year, a freshman year or whatever when that happened and, 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 it, and it Bryson thought he had to change. And, and so that was a rough couple of weeks until we, it was like Bryson, I would prefer guys like that would look at you as a sample, as a study, because you are doing things that are different that people are saying shouldn't work. And yet you're one of the best college players in golf. So in college and one of the best amateurs. And so, and you hit it, you can hit it on a rope, literally, I mean, straighter than anybody I've ever seen. And, um, and, and at that time, that's what he was really trying to do. I want to hit it dead straight. I want to be known as the straightest guy ever in golf, you know? And so, and, and, and so on. And so it was really good. It made him, again, get, I always say this about players own what you do. And and that was a test on for Bryson that he had to really understand that I, I'm either owning this or I got to change. And he owned it. He decided I am owning this 100%. And then there was nothing stopping him at that point.
0: You hey, look at his stats like 2015 or let's see, 2017, um, you know, in 2017, he hit it 300, let's see, six yards.
1: Yeah, it wasn't short. No. I, I don't, um, I, I find it difficult, you know, even, you know, doing what he's doing now. We'll, we'll certainly get into that. But it was never short by right. any means. And if he wanted to beef it up, he could. He had a crank ball. He wanted yeah. to hit it 30 yards farther, he could. You know, it just, he didn't have the body mass to stabilize that more often. Uh, you know, it was 165. Yeah. He was a big guy. wasn't a big guy.
0: His approach really, you know, in 18 was in 17, it was 114th in 18. He was 12th. So a big improvement, big in 2018, his stats really very clean across the board and particularly around the green, um, which I want to talk to you about, you know, and just sure. some of the things that sure he does there around the green. Rapsodo mobile launch monitor, improve your golf swing today. Pro level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with shot tracer helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback data and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable cases about the size of a range finder. And you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at Rapsodo.com. R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com. Rapsodo.com. Right. But as we, as we kind of, you know, move the needle forward here a little bit, from this swing on seventeen, and now you look at the one in two thousand and nineteen, which again, some good stats here: strokes off the team twenty fourth approach, fifty fourth. I felt Bryson was a better wedge player probably through this stretch as well than what we're seeing now. Um, yeah, for sure. And and I where he is at the bottom in the in the approach wedge game,
1: right? If we if we go back a little bit, some key things that happen. Um, that were really, to me, important, important for him and his discovery. And certainly, you know, working with uh, Greg Roskopf at MAT, started understanding end ranges, which means, you know, if I twist, that's an end range, I can't go anymore. So basically, uh, we went to the Triangle Assembly. He, He was so excited because we really never talked enough about the Triangle Assembly and how, you know, everything is put together. It's so fast, so haphazard. And and you know we we talk about oh the grip has changed a little bit you know and we do that with our students and and so on so one of the things that happened um, right around the beginning I think it was 2018 um, that he discovered through his workouts and understanding how he needed to uh, strengthen his end ranges they realized that man I can incorporate that into my triangle assembly or how I you know grab a hold of the club and hold on the club in my setup. So the one thing that that I uh have always kind of felt um in the setup is is about, you know, obviously we talk about balance for sure. It, it and is more in the idea of structure and stability. And so Bryson and and his mind, man, if he doesn't feel stable, uh he he's like, you know, off the rails. Why aren't I stable? What's breaking down that's that's you know, you know, creating this uh imbalance in, in my motion that where I'm not stable and have no, you know, I'm not stable at all, what structurally has broken down. So that happened in, uh, like I said, to 2018 at the end and and uh, the year. And he was so excited that he could set up and, and range and feel really, really stable and feel like he has structure. Now, now, some people look at that and go, he looks really rigid. Well, for him, that's how he, in a sense, relaxes. The more stable and structurally sound he feels or or is, the, the better or more confident he is about executing a motion. So that's in the end, too. That's why you're going to see the club get a little more crossed as well. Um, there were some, uh, you know. And
0: this is in 19 now. We're starting to see the club. Yeah, yes. As we put the swing up, like 2019, right. we're starting to see the club get a little bit more vertical and kind of point a little more to the right here.
1: Right. Right. He would literally go, Hey, I want my hand to be here. You know, I mean, he would go like this. I go, well, how are you going to hit the ball from there? <laughs> right. You know, and I get it. It was a feel, um, you know, but he was trying to feel, he was really trying to sense lockdown, lockdown. And again, that was that journey of discovery. How far can I take that? Mm. Um, which again, I appreciate that so much. I mean, that mm-hmm. the thing about Bryson, he's never um, been, a, been afraid to go down roads, you know, less traveled. And so, Uh, And to test things and try things and, you know, in the heat, in the, I mean, he'll, and and put it in the heat of battle immediately. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, you you have to appreciate that as, as a, as a very gifted player that he is.
0: So this, so this zero, this, this across, just so I'm understanding is, is, is he's just trying to not feel anything there in, in the right wrist. He's just trying to like, feel like almost, you know, like he's folded, he's turning and his full his right elbow folds but nothing really changes in his wrist. I
1: think we he went from where it was everything was I want my hands in the shaft, you know, um on plane, you know, we all saw the one plane motion uh to understanding the center of mass and how the center of mass was working uh relative to the hand path. And so that's that's why, you, you know, you'll see the drop underneath. Mm-hmm. He went from more um, of a straight, you know, I want to hit it straight, want to hit it straight, want to hit it straight, and there that's another part of the journey as well, to he was very comfortable hitting a draw. He still obviously is. He wants to hit mm-hmm. a draw. And so that became much more comfortable with him. And I always told people, I said, you know, if you actually just shift the angle of the camera, he's still pretty much on, quote, A one plane so if you aimed five degrees to the right the camera angle you'll see the club and hands are going pretty much on that plane you Mm -hmm. aim down line oh it's inside and crossed right a little bit and so i you know so again i i in the end i don't care as long as you feel comfortable and confident you can execute right um you know again but he went to a you know pretty big drawer of the ball um from where he was when he first got out to trying to be super, super straight, you know, cause that was his motivation.
0: So would you say then when you look at 2015, which like the club is definitely at the top, it's, let's just call it parallel, right? It's, sure. it's not across the line to 2019. It starts to get a little bit more across the line. It was kind of through the education of undering the center, understanding the center of the mass of the club, where he, he wanted to see the club then kind of, you know, kind of fall behind him more Uh, in transition versus
1: right. A little bit, but a lot of it was always was due to closure, right? And so um, you know, we closure rate of the face. Yeah, the closure rate of the face. Okay. And so I mean I I would say that was early on, you know, we were listening we were hearing that all the time out there on the range. Closure, closure, closure rate, how fast it, you know, it is. Um I would say going into uh to the second year on tour literally we were in my place on my circle and i go well and since you want to z- you know zero out closure do you want to do what dustin does and get the club face perpendicular to the plane i mean there's no closure there he's probably it's a fact that dustin probably has the least amount of closure as anybody on tour and uh and i'm not going there you know i'm not going there kind of thing mm-hmm. and so so that was a you know in- interesting little journey um, you know, but again, it was minimizing, it came into that. I, I want to minimize that rate. Um, it was very, you know, it's a difficult thing to measure by the way. Um, you know, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. I would say that would almost yeah. be possible to, to measure that, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and again, he, and in the end, he didn't want to go to a, a, you know, a fade. So it was much more of a hold off draw, you know, mm. in the end um and and that's the you know the direction he kept going he felt very comfortable going down that direct that yeah,
0: that's interesting because you can see it in a swing like when he was younger you could see the club like you know if we go back to the golf machine like you'd almost like he'd fold his right elbow right. rotate his left form cock his left wrist shafts you know let's just call it three quarters pointing slightly left if i if i drew line from the right from the ball baseline right. through the butt of the club that whole shaft would be on that line Sure. And then from there, he just kind of comes right back down that line. There wasn't right. a lot of,
1: and, and don't get oh, me, little, don't get me wrong. I mean, he worked so hard to keep the hands and the club on plane. I mean, I could do videos of him or, or we do a video and it'd be off just a little somewhere. And he, it's like, no, that can't be, that's not right. Let's fix that. You know, mm-hmm. um, literally a lot of times because of what we would do, we would set up a little station before every round. Like I'd have his view one camera uh, Microsoft, you know, surface pro set up. And we were the only ones doing this stuff. Right. And then he would look, he would watch every single golf swing. And if the, he draws plane line and if the club or hand or something was going on with that, he'd fix it. He, he'd go, I'm not going until I fix it, which there are a lot of times running late to the first D, um, you know, kind of thing. But that was, you know, where he was at, at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, now, and then again, once he went to the bigger draw, you know, it, it, it it, all that kind of went away in a sense
0: and this bigger draw is it is it is it kind of a combination of kind of understanding that the that com and how we want it to kind of fall behind us more which he was getting as we start seeing the shaft get a little bit more vertical now as we get to 2021 he lengthens it out it's pointing a little more to the right Right, to his this draw was just more powerful too right as he was trying now to seek more distance
1: yeah. I, I, and again, yeah, the distance thing is a whole different world, um, you know. And and so, you know, our view and even with with Como when when Chris kind of came on board mm-hmm. and we were talking about baselines, you know, let's not deviate too far from baselines. You know, that was something, you know, Chris really wanted to make sure um, was was intact, um, I, you know, whether the COVID thing or just he had freedom or more time or whatever to. You know to go down the road of okay i want to be a long drive guy i really want to hit the ball you know far and and see how far that can go you know and and that's kind of where you're at now and that's why you're seeing you know much different thing. big huge weight shift center mass movement to the right i mean more torques more ground for you know ground forces rotational it's everything you could possibly do to try to you know to hit the ball farther that's for sure um not so much the streamline motion baseline motion that we saw and that we tried to do from wedge to driver. I mean, if you if you look at, you know, back in time, uh, you, you would think the wedge swing and the driver swing were identical other than the fact that the driver was longer. And so um, I will say in the USAM, it was one of the only times USAM where literally he was, I would say, quote, zero shifting, one plane, hands club, driver to wedge, all of them it was so perfect. It was unbelievable in my mind. Mm -hmm. It was, it was amazing watching that, you know, and, and, and so on every day, after the round, during the round, you know, we would do video checks and it it was, it was amazing. And that's why Greg Norman would come down and Brad Faxon, they're all trying to figure out what is this golf swing that hits it like he does. And, uh, you know, I, a lot, it was amazing to me. How many people thought it was ugly, you know, um, you know, in my mind, I always thought, God, this thing is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, That's probably because of how good you know the ball flights tended to be, right? For sure. Right,
0: and now, and as we as we kind of move the needle here to to twenty twenty one, and and you know we look at this swing now, we see the this you know body really winding up, and as you say, shift meaning loading more kind of into the trail side, not staying perhaps so centered. Right. Hundred percent. Yep. So he's now letting let's say the pelvis kind of rock a little more into the right heel, yep. a lot more pressure moving into the right side. You can see the left foot's coming up. Yep. And now the shaft is, is definitely more across the line at the top, which sure. when he starts down, you know, that shaft's going right. you know, to shallow out. And the, You know, there. too,
1: I, I, because we've always believed in, in a lot of body rotation, hip rotation, shoulder, chest rotation, so on. I, I think that's in, and where he's at now, you can definitely see, That's very comfortable for him to max that out you know Mm -hmm. and and whereas uh you know when he was growing up there was still a lot of the x factor where it was minimal hip rotation right kind of load up and coil and that i mean i was never i never went down that road for me uh probably me personally because i have a lot of lower back problems and so you know uh to me trying to lock that or uh, was was an issue and i I certainly bryson like i said had some uh back issues Mm -hmm. early and so um that made it tough so yeah I mean you can day, I'm sorry the gardener just showed up
0: uh, you can you can see the lower body big term which I love I love the rotational freedom you know yeah aspect of it does the club as it's now taken this journey from being you know kind of more there over there now to being more over there has you know that how that club responding coming down um, has that been a little problematic for him? Do you think perhaps in the iron game? We know the distance sure. has what's ha- what's transpired there. Although I think he has slowed down a little bit, but we know that you know the distance has been right. incredible transformation of what he did to his body. Correct. You can certainly see it in the swing as we're talking about. But taking that club and, and having it there and now you know more over there and what that means to the shaft coming down from an accuracy standpoint. How do you think he's managed that?
1: Well, I, and again, he I asked him in December, you know, uh, again, I when he first started this journey, I felt like, hey, this could be really good um, because you're going to hit a lot more five woods, irons off the tee, you know, you're going to hit a super far and don't need necessarily hit a driver because of where, what it might bring into play. So, um, uh, but I did ask him in December, you know, are you going to start, you know, working on, you know, discovering how you're going to improve. Your approach game and and he you know he said you know i will i'm just not you know i'm not ready yet Mm -hmm. i want to keep going down this road i want to keep focused on this um you know i think he felt that was good enough and obviously it was i mean he won bay hill and and uh you know he said had an opportunity to win the open as well Mm -hmm. um i think um you know it's not a priority at this point but i i certainly think yeah it's definitely affected i mean numbers don't lie right Mm -hmm. and so when you look at approach numbers um i think some of them are skewed a little bit but but again, he's had he has a lot of nine iron eight iron, you know wedges into greens now, some out of the rough, maybe more often than I'd like to see. But but again, that's all um, a part of you know the process of, you know I got to go back to figure out. I think if you a couple of things that are still intact, for sure he he believes in the clock system, which we've always believed that that was the best way to control distances. And so, you know, we always, we hated the word feel. All right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I instilled that in him early on. I would say he's probably one of the, he's a big feel guy now, but that, I would say, you know, I hated feel. I go, look, if you're going to rely on feel under a, an extreme situation that you're unfamiliar with, your feel is going to fail you. It does, does all the time. So you better rely on something that you know will work, your mechanics, your mechanics, you know, right? you Mechanics produces, fuel reproduces, right? I think you probably know that statement from Homer. But in my mind, it's like, look, under extreme pressure, can you go back to your mechanic that you know you trust and execute? And that's how, when I caddy for him, that's how we did it. So the clock system, which means, you know, the, the simple nine o'clock, you mm-hmm. know, okay, let's take the club back nine o'clock with with, with no wrist cock or, or radial deviation. You know, make sure your acceleration is the same um and not deviating and, and whether it was eight o'clock, nine o'clock or ten o'clock. And then he would write those numbers down. He still does that, you know, Um to in my view, enough. No. But again, he still relies on that. You know, Um, you know, you'll if you ever watched when Tim was out there, you'll hear it. It's a it's a nine forty five swing nine, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll hear that. And he's um, he's amazingly good at that. The only thing I see at this point is that because his ex, uh, the acceleration rates have changed so dramatically that that's why and, and again he's changed the law. there's some equipment issues there but the the fact that those accelerations rates are not the same as they were let's say three years ago, you know until that's really understood, then um, you're going to see that sporadic you know approach gain.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Like it, you know, overall the approach game is uh, isn't too bad. You know, when you look at stroke scan approach 2021, he's 59th. Um, but it's, it's the wedge game where you really see the opportunities approach from 75 to hundred, you know, he's 203rd, 50 to 125. Yeah. He's 109. I mean, he's at the bottom with these right. wedge shots. And, right. and that's kind of what I thought, like when I watch it, like, you know, you know, for me, like, I, yeah, I I'm, I'm in on all this, you know, like the shaft and the shallowing and what he's doing. And I I totally get that, but it's like, it's just the touch and the maybe the acceleration and not dialing in how hard he's hitting it, the proximity to the hole. Right. Like that. And to me, like when I see that, and even just from a tour player in general, I, I can remember asking Dustin's longtime coach, Alan Terrell, I said, you know, I always, I always know when Dustin's about ready to go, when he's about ready to take off because his strokes and approach in wedge play starts to tighten up. And that tells me Dustin's practicing. (laughs) And I was like, am I right or wrong? He's like, no, Uh, you're right.
1: Yeah. I, you still got to practice, right? I I mean, I, like I said, I watched at the open, I watched Bryson hit drivers for three woods as hard as he could for two hours. And Dustin's next to him hitting wedges. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, granted, you know, Bryson had a good U S open. Uh, other than the last nine. But I, I think, again, yeah, it takes a lot of work and and practice. And, uh, you know, a- again, I would love to see it more and really improve. I, I believe it's low-hanging fruit. I don't yeah. believe it's up, way up in the tree somewhere. Um, but, but again, you know, it's it's what he wants. It, look, it's ultimately his choice. And, um, fortunately, he's still a great putter. And so, uh, right. again, that's another aspect. You know, his work in putting... Second to none, as far as I'm concerned, he really, he worked hard becoming a great putter. And and I admire that more, probably more than anything, you know, because I don't, it, it, he grew up thinking he was a horrible putter. He grew up hearing that in his head, you know, I think he heard it from his, uh, his family from time to time, you know, that, that mm-hmm. you're a bad putter, you know, and I'm like, yeah. oh, no, you he's know? a brilliant he putter. Hit a lot of yeah. greens. That's all. When you hit a lot of greens, you're going to look like you're not a good putter, you know. <laughs> And so uh, I think that's, that's, that's really the, you know, the, the issue. So I would like to see it more, Yeah, but not going to happen yet.
0: Do you think it's just two parts to this one? Do you think it's just practice? And then you said there might be a couple of tweaks with the, with the equipment, but how much of it is just maintaining the training and the speed and the time that that's taking, that's now taking away from, Let's go out. Let's hit wedges. Let's dial in, just like Dustin did. It's almost like Dustin's like, enough's enough. Like, sure. In a track man, only number I want to see on my iPad is the carry distance. That's it. And here it comes. Here's 80. Here's 100. Here's 120. Here's 140. Here's what I do when I fill in the gaps, and over and over and over. And then you go out there and you start quantifying it, and all of a sudden you're like, this game can get pretty damn easy for guys like Bryson and Dustin who hit it 325 off the tee, wedging their hand. I mean, it's just, it's God, it's like frustrating. I watch him at at us open. I'm like, man, like 90 yards and he barely hit the green. Like what's happening here. I mean, it's,
1: its you have to go like this and, and it's, you know, again, I, 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 it's surprising or not surprising, you know, that, you know, one of the best players in the world and you see an easy shot and you're going, how did that happen? You know? And, And it happens, obviously, but it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, it happened again. And so, and and again, it's how much you work at it, how much you practice it, all the nuances that go with that. I still believe that, um, you know, those shots are the hardest shots in golf because of the requirements that are are involved. Um, And it takes a lot of practice in different ways, how to read. You know, there's a a video going on with uh, Phil Mickelson talking about his stock 120 shot. Uh, with David Faraday and talking about all that, okay, well, that's fine, but what if I'm on zoysia, and what if I'm into the grain, what if I'm down grain, and how much, you know, he goes through it. It's a great video clip about all that's involved in any iron shot, but especially in wet shots that, uh, that you know, that truly matter. Like I said, Bryson's, the clock system is so cool. He used to do it, by the way, he would have it at, he would start at 7, fifteen, seven thirty, 8, all the way up to 11, believe it or not with every golf club wow. foreign all the way through lob right and he would have a rolodex on his bag how cool is that he'd look at a shot and he goes i think that's my six iron 930 shot <laughs> He'd go through it and go yep that's it you see mm-hmm. and it was so cool to do that and he would do that on every shot and you know he did that his first two years on tour you know until tim basically became his rolodex and so um you know it, it was really cool because again as a player, I, I look at that with kids and stuff is that when you have stuff like that and, and you've really committed to it, it's easy to commit and execute it in the heat of battle.
0: And we're all guilty. Like I, you know, I'll take myself, for example. Um, I do a lot of work with Soto, which is a great little launch monitor that you can put down, put your phone on it. And it's, and it's like within 2% of track And it's like, you know, it's, it's 500 bucks. You, you right. don't have to invest $28,000. And I love it for wedges and I'll put it down and I'll just sit there and, you know, and I've just, cause it's so convenient just to put your phone down and, um, on it. And like, I kind of instinctively know, you know, but like, I've gotten more detailed and just the efficiency of, of wedges. Then you get out there and it's like, your confidence level sure. just goes way up. Cause you're like, Oh, this is 97 yards. Like right. I just hit that and quantified right. it hundred
1: times. I think one of the things that people miss, you know, acceleration rate, right? And mm-hmm. what that is, we, we, we certainly understand it a little bit more in putting. We can call it the TikTok drill. Same, 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 same. And I try to, you know, with my players, I've been with Bryson, same thing, try to get that understanding of acceleration and making sure it's constant. You know, some guys are a little more aggressive through impact. Some could actually be more decelerating through impact. Um, and so on. And, and it's very important to find your own acceleration rate, you know, and I always start with TikTok or same, same, try to get people to look, hit a little chip, same, same, and, and try to understand that that's a baseline or base or starting point that you can do mm-hmm. that, that you could either increase or de- decrease to find your own acceleration rate. And again, Bryson at this point, it's changed dramatically because of what he's trying to do on, on long driving. And I'm sure he'll revisit that and get back to that. And, and, uh, and it'll, it'll improve. I mean, I just, I have no doubt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It feels like, it feels like right now there's gotta be, there's perhaps a bit of a reset and listening to you talk. It's, it's fascinating. I know Chris very well and very smart guy. And I, and I know he's probably trying to get Bryson closer to getting the wedges more dialed in. And like, you know, these are the opportunities that present itself. And, and, and obviously there's some maintenance, that has to be maintained with, with distance, but it's just always fascinating when you start talking like this, how a player has to manage all 14 clubs, right. And where do they put the time and where do they see the need versus perhaps maybe what the coach is saying? Cause what I tell people a lot is like the player can, the player pushes back even though the coach is saying, look, let's go over here and maybe they're like, no, I'm, I'm going right. to, I going to be over here right now and I'm going to be doing this. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic and to talk through it, you know, on the purpose of going through this podcast with you is just to get in, and, and really any coach is to provide some insight. Some coaches don't like to provide really anything and they don't really give you anything to listen to. Others will give you, you know, some feedback and here's kind of, what we work on and how we work right. on it. Um, and I, I think that going through I just don't through through believe
1: the... that players, I mean, I see it, whether it's on going down to the local driving range or seeing a my range at my place, all I ever see is drivers and five yeah. irons and six irons all day long. Yeah. I, I mean, I had one of my instructors that works with me. He's trying to get the, our students to work on their wedging more and the guy looks at them and, and students will go, no, nah, I need to really work on my five iron more. <laughs> it's like Yeah. You know, I mean, I, again, I have a, we have a little sign in my tent that says you can't fix stupid, <laughs> you know. And I mean, I know it's offensive to people, but you know what? It, it frustrates me. I remember hearing a quote from a Hogan that said he hit a thousand wedges before breakfast. You know, and, and so I often tried to find that quote. I, it's because it's it has been a mantra for me, you know, uh, since my you know second or third year in college. And so, um, and I'm a big guy, I hit it far. I can hit it a long ways. much, yeah. You know, because I'm old now. But again, I was always known to hit it far. But again, it's again, you cannot work hard enough on your scoring clubs, wedging. Um, uh, you know, it's more than chipping. I will tell people, yeah. I, I'm a big believer. If you want to improve your short game, become a better ball striker. <laughs> um, you know, because yeah. if, if you're a tour player, you're you're up and down. The best in the world are about fifty percent. So if you're a college player and you're missing nine greens you're already five over par before you start the day. So I would, I would, if you're a good, and that's if you actually have a good short game, Mm -hmm. I would again say to you, look, you need to really, spend more time improving your ball striking, spend more time improving how to uh, get better proximities when a nine iron and an eight iron and so on. Because then when you miss a green, chances are, it'll be an easier up and down. It's not the high flop a dopper that you got to hit over a bunker shot that you'll never get up and down
0: yeah i mean stroke scan approach this proximity it it dominates pga tour now when you're when you're longer right we know there's an advantage there but you can put all the distance in the world but if your proximity with the wedges and the nines is not up to par then you're not going to be maximizing what it is that you've done off of the tee and there's a balance there and it just with bryson it's just fascinating i mean i love watching him play i love the the you know i love the distance um he's a brilliant putter. And it's like, man, this dude becomes a great wedge player. Look out.
1: And I I still, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I look again, I'm, I, I I never hit it short in my life. And so, but I I certainly teach and work with kids that, you know, in their wildest dream, will will never hit it that far, but become that, that can become very, very good players. Yeah. They learn how to understand what their strengths are and how to improve those things. I've had, and I know you have too, I've had girls that there's no way they're ever going to hit it 220, right? Mm-hmm. Became very good college players. Why? Be- and they were always in the fairway. You know, big benefit there. You're in the fairway every single time. That makes it a little bit easier. Now, when you do have your wedges or nine irons, you have to become better because you don't have that many of them, right? And and so mm-hmm. every single time, you know, all of a sudden now I'm watching, you know, watching a kid you know be able to shoot uh six seven under who again can't hit it out of their quote shadow and yet because they become so much better at those scoring clubs that they do have opportunities on you know it, it's it's amazing how they still can compete and i i still believe that i know the game is you know become a crank a dank a little bit but um i don't see it quite as much on the lpga yet but um uh you know hopefully we'll see. I don't, I don't necessarily want to see equipment limited or anything like that, but mm-hmm. potentially how, maybe how facilities or golf clubs or, you know, the golf courses set up, uh, yeah. brings back more strategy in the game, man. I would love to see that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, yeah, definitely more strategy, but proximity is, is, is big strokes can approach. You, you've got to, you've got to win there. And when you got that length, if you can win the wedges too, and you're a great putter, like he is like, Man, you can just start crushing people. And and again, it
1: it starts like like you said. And maybe Dustin is more of a hey, I need that carry distance and whatever. Yeah. Uh, Look, Dustin's a smart guy. There's no doubt about it that he knows and understands lies and moisture on the ball or wind characteristics and all that. But those are all things that as as you become a better player or as a player that you need to consider is that look at the lie and how it is. Is Is it sitting down? Is it on a tight lie? What kind of grass is it? You know, is there a little water on it? You know, all those kind of things matter in the end. We we determined there was eleven or twelve of them. You know, wind factor and how hard and firm the green was, and all that kind of stuff that would would should be considered. And again, I think that's part of mechanics. You know, how, learning a wedge swing or learning a scoring club swing or a baseline swing obviously got to do it. That's why you've got an instructor, um, and and you need to work hard on that. But there's more mm-hmm. to it than that for sure
0: mike we could go forever um but this has been fun to kind of you know just you look at these swings they're they're different and how they've it's evolved and um you know just i think what's fascinating to me is just how the shaft where it used to point to where it is now closure rate i think is interesting you can certainly see the pivot much more aggressive and alive and how he's trying to hit it hard now the change of knee flex and i think really just the evolution of instruction of, you know, there is no resist. It's rotational freedom. And I think that's more freedom on, on the back, but then the risk of, you know, okay, I get all this distance, my, my rotational speeds change and what that means to proximity and, in you know, and what it used to be with wedge play and then having to overcome that. And then as a player, being able to balance your time management of, okay, where do I, you know, do I just, do I be obsessed with where I'm going distance wise? Cause that's fun and sexy. Do I spend more time in dialing in the wedges? There's just so much there to unpack. And I think that's the purpose of, you know, having these pods with the coaches, you give them the insight of this is reality. And it's, you know, it's like the purpose of all that is no shot at Bryson or anybody. It's just like, it's insight to, uh, you know, the polarizing figure that he is and your guys' relationship for so many years. I think it's just great content and great discussion. And I can't thank you enough for um, it. giving me the time last week and again this week. Shit, we might as models just do part three at some point. <laughs> sure.
1: Anytime. Yeah. Anytime.
0: Right. <laughs> Mike Scheid. thanks for uh, joining me on the pod, man.
1: Thanks, bro. Appreciate it, man.
0: I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting-edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show.